0: Today I'm going to start talking about speaking in tongues. I'm going to apply this towards how we receive revelation knowledge from God. And I know that there are many of you that this is not something that you do. It's not something you've embraced. There might even be people who are opposed to this and think that it's of the devil, all these kind of things. Um, I haven't got time to actually teach on whether this is a valid gift for today or not. I'm just going to have to let that go. But by way of introduction, let me just say that in my life, this is a very important part of everything that God's done in my life. And I really uh, attribute a tremendous amount of the revelation of God's Word that He's given me to this thing of speaking in tongues. So I'm going to be teaching on that. We're going to be talking about speaking in tongues and specifically relating it to revelation knowledge and how you build yourself up when you do this let me first of all start with jude chapter one verse twenty there's actually only one chapter in the book of jude but this is the book right before the book of revelation in jude chapter one verse twenty it says but ye beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith praying in the holy ghost and then verse twenty one says keep yourselves in the love of god looking for the mercy of our lord jesus christ unto eternal life speaking in tongues is building up yourself on your most holy faith but it also according to the next verse will keep you it says keep yourselves in the love of God and this is one of the greatest benefits of speaking in tongues is that it just builds you up it keeps you in the love of God it will keep you full of the love the joy and the peace of God now I think that's an important thing As a matter of fact, some of you have probably heard me talk about this, but I've had people come up to me before and ask a question, something about, like, could you pray for me that God would just show me His love, that I could have God pour out His love in my life? But this verse is saying, you keep yourselves in the love of God. In other words, God does love us, He's proven it by His actions. He's proven it in his word. He's given us this record. God has promised that nothing will ever change in, in the way that he feels towards us. He's given us all of these assurances. And yet, despite that, people say, oh, well, I know all of this, but I just don't feel anything. So would you pray with me and ask God to pour out his love in my life? I think that that's just, I think it's an insult to God to approach things from that standpoint. Here's another way of saying it. You can be as happy as you want to be. You can be as full of the love of God as you choose to be. There's tremendous amount of Christians who are fighting discouragement and depression and they go around talking about how tough the Christian life is and they take solace in the fact that this is where we all are and it's just up to God and you have to petition God and hope and pray that God will just bless you with a little joy and things like that. I'm coming at it from exactly the opposite standpoint, saying that God already loves us. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. The fruit of the Spirit that He placed on the inside of us is love, joy, peace. And if you aren't experiencing that, it's not God who's not giving. It's you who's not receiving. So instead of going to God and petitioning Him for something that He's already given you, instead, you need to stir yourself up and start just getting into the love of God. Now, some people, that that condemns them. They're saying... Well, you made me responsible for the way I feel. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And here's one of the things that I'm wanting to bring out. Speaking in tongues, it says right here, build yourself up on your most holy faith and it keeps you in the love of God. Or you could say that it keeps the love of God fresh on the inside of you. It keeps you aware of how much God loves you. It says in Romans chapter 5, and in verse 5 it says, And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. One of the things that makes the joy of the Lord, the love of God, and all of the things that it brings just abound in your life is the Holy Spirit. It says that the, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, His job is to glorify Jesus and to tell you how much Jesus loves you. So if you are not walking in this fullness of the Holy Spirit, you are limiting your revelation of how much God loves you. It is not God's responsibility to keep His love on the inside of you. It's your responsibility. I, you know, I know that that's not the way that most people look at it. I said that by design to be able to kind of startle people. I'm trying to get across a point. God has already proven his love in his actions and in his word, and it's up to us to take those things and encourage ourselves and build ourselves up and keep ourselves in the love of God, is what it says in Jude chapter 1, verse 21. So I'm trying to get across this point that speaking in tongues is one of the ways that you keep yourself stirred up about how much God loves you. You know, I've got other places I'm wanting to go with this, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But I hope I can convey this and get it across. But when you speak in tongues, it's foolishness to your physical, natural mind. The Bible says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I believe it's verse uh, 14, it says, but if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but the understanding is unfruitful. And I'm going to teach on those scriptures later on in more detail. But you do not, with your physical mind, just automatically understand what you're saying. It's foolishness. And when you go to praying in tongues, I guarantee you all of those things are brought up. And there is a natural mental, emotional resistance to praying in tongues. It's just natural. But if you just, on a regular basis, pray in tongues, say 30 minutes, or an hour or something like that. If you spend time in praying in tongues like that, you have to break through all of these feelings, negative feelings and emotions against speaking in tongues, and it forces you into a realm of faith. You are moving beyond what things sound like. You're getting out of the physical realm, and you are focusing on the spiritual realm, and you are zeroing in on what the Scripture has to say. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Verse 7, Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now I'm going to have to make a connection here because uh, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 17, it says, Whosoever prays in an unknown tongue gives thanks well. Now put that together with Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, and it says you are, have to be established in the faith, abounding therein. That's abounding in faith with thanksgiving. Speaking in tongues is thanksgiving. It's giving thanks well. So you could put this in here and make this connection that when you are speaking in tongues, you are abounding in faith. Boy, that right there is wonderful. If you accepted and believed what I was talking about right here, this would make a huge difference in your life. I can guarantee you there's times that every one of you need to be encouraged during the day. You need to be built up on your most holy faith. You need to move to a higher level. And many times you'll go to God and ask God to just, Oh, God, help me to believe. But instead, God gave us a tool When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, the scripture says you just naturally build yourself up on your most holy faith. You abound in faith with thanksgiving, which is speaking in tongues. All you got to do is just start speaking in tongues. And it'll minister to you. It'll build you up. It'll encourage you. I believe that most people who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit have not been taught properly about what speaking in tongues really accomplishes. And because of that, they just think that it's something they do on occasion to prove to themselves that they have the Holy Spirit. They do it kind of under an emotional thing and it, they aren't doing it and receiving the full benefit. They haven't heard from the Word what, it, what it's all about. And we're beginning to talk about the benefits that speaking in tongues will accomplish in your life. It says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 17, It says, For thou verily givest thanks, but the other is not edified. Now this is breaking right into the middle of a thought, but it's talking about when you speak in tongues. He was telling you the reason why that if you're in a church service and if you speak in tongues, you need to do it to limit your speaking in tongues in a church service unless there is a person there to interpret that tongue and put it forth in the language that everybody can hear. And the reasoning behind it is because you are truly giving thanks to God when you speak in tongues, but the other people aren't benefited if they can't understand. And so that's the context. But in the midst of this, he said something that's very powerful. And that is that when you pray in tongues, you are giving thanks well. And actually, that's a great understatement. It's not just like you're giving thanks adequately but rather you are praising God in a powerful, powerful way. See, there's a lot of people that don't understand what the benefits of speaking in tongues are. They think it's just something that you do to get a goosebump, something that you do to prove to somebody else that you have the Holy Spirit, but they don't understand that it is a powerful communication. It's a powerful way of speaking to God. Speaking in tongues is glorifying God, worshiping God in a language that is supernatural and it just allows you to speak to God in a way that you can't do with just your physical mind. Look at this passage of scripture over in Isaiah chapter 28 and in verse 12 it says, to whom he said, I'm breaking right into the middle of a prophecy again. Well, let me let me just back up here into verse 10. It says for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, hear a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about speaking in tongues. Now that may not be real obvious at first, but let me turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and read in verse 21. It says, In the law it is written... "...with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord." So here is that same passage of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11. It's being quoted in the New Testament, and the whole context of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is talking about this gift of speaking in tongues and the gift of prophecy. So it makes it very clear when you put the two together that Isaiah is talking about speaking in tongues and notice what he said in verse 12 he says this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing speaking in tongues rest you it refreshes you how many of you need to be refreshed and rested how many of you men have been stressed out and you need some supernatural help from the Lord The Bible says that when you pray in tongues, you are ministering rest and refreshing to yourself. I couldn't tell you the number of times that I've been in some situation where, you know, something's happening that's just beyond your control and it begins to get to you or you've just had a super hectic day or whatever. And you know what I'll do often is I'll get out and start walking and go to praying in tongues. And as I pray in tongues, it just ministers rest And refreshing to me. That's what the scripture says it does. That's one of the reasons that God has given it to us. Look at this verse in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Again, this is the scripture where it talks about how the gift of speaking in tongues is supposed to operate in the church. And it says in 1 Corinthians 14:2, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Verse 4 says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. The word edify here means to promote spiritual growth. Do you want spiritual growth in your life? Well, then the Bible says that speaking in tongues edifies promotes spiritual growth. I can guarantee you it will be a help. It doesn't guarantee spiritual growth. I know people that speak in tongues that are carnal and immature, but it is an asset if you use it properly, and I tell you, every one of us needs that. You know, outside of me just personally communing with the Lord in English and telling the Lord how much I love, in Him, love Him, thanking Him for the things that He's done for me, outside of that, which is the vast majority of my prayer life, The rest of my prayer time is primarily speaking in tongues because I build up myself on my most holy faith. I'm praising God in a heavenly language. I'm ministering strength to myself. And also, I spend a lot of time praying in tongues just so that I can receive revelation knowledge from God. Now, I need to give a little bit of definition here because this is a term that I use all of the time. And to me, it's the best way I have of expressing it but not everybody understands what I'm talking about. But when I say revelation knowledge, I'm distinguishing that from like acquired knowledge where you go to school and you have somebody teach you something and they give you a test and it's just something that you force yourself to learn. Now that acquired knowledge like that, all of us have to have it. You have to learn how to drive a car, how to do a lot of things, and it doesn't come by revelation. It's not intuitive. It's not something that's just given to you, but you have to sit down and learn from another person or learn from a book or something like that. There are parts of our life that are like that, but you know what? There are things that you can receive directly from God that didn't come through another person. God can supernaturally impart knowledge to you and there's many scriptures on this in the Word of God. For instance, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, the scripture says, "...but you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things." And then drop down to verse 27. It says, But the anointing which you have received of him abides within you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as that same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as he hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Those verses are saying that you can receive revelation directly from God that doesn't come directly through another person. And I tell you, it's powerful when you do that. The Lord said it this way, when he was countered in his hometown of Nazareth and the people said, who is this man and where does he get such knowledge that by him mighty works are done? And they were offended at him. Jesus responded by saying, any man who will do my will and come and follow the Father because of me, he will know of my doctrine and God will show him and reveal these things to him. The Lord taught that we could do that. Matter of fact, he told his disciples, he says, you are going to be delivered up before councils and you're going to be persecuted for my namesake. And he says, when it happens, don't premeditate what to say, but rather it will be given you in the same hour what you shall say. In other words, here's again the Lord saying that he will supernaturally uh, control what you think. He will give you his thoughts and he will just impart revelation to you. Some people, they just don't think that you can have God supernaturally quicken to you these kind of things, but He can. And one of the ways it happens is through speaking in tongues and receiving an interpretation of that tongue. Boy, if you could understand what I said right there, if people really agreed with this, and I'm going to prove it to you from Scripture, if you could really believe that, There shouldn't be a single person that wouldn't desire to speak in tongues. Because the benefit of having God just quicken your understanding, begin to start explaining things to you, man, that's priceless. It's priceless. You know, in my estimation, the most important thing in any believer's life is revelation knowledge of the Word of God. Not just physical knowledge to where you can quote it and recite it like a Computer, you program it and put words into it and it spits it back at you. But I'm talking about where you took it in, but then it became a part of you. In your heart, you've got a revelation of it and now you can release those truths because it's a part of you. To make that, to make the Word of God real and become alive on the inside of you is the most important thing in the Christian life. I really believe that. It opens up everything else. If you have a true revelation of the truths of God's Word so that you can live it and implement it in your life, I can guarantee you once that happens, if you will follow and follow through with those things that God is showing you, uh, success is guaranteed. I can guarantee you that you will begin to start seeing difference when the Word of God comes alive, just explodes on the inside of you. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've experienced that. Well, you can have more of it. There are some of you that have never had the benefit of just having God speak to you and Scripture just come alive. I don't know how to explain this, but it's like an explosion on the inside of you. When you see something that you didn't see, you just didn't have this understanding, and all of a sudden, pieces of the puzzle begin to fit together. I tell you, it's the most exciting thing I think that has ever happened in my life. I've seen people raised from the dead, blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I've seen miracles happen and yet I don't have to choose but if I had to choose I'd take a true revelation of God's Word over any of those things. That's how powerful, that's how beneficial it is. And you know how you get that? There's multiple ways but by my own personal experience as well as scripture that I'm going to be teaching you on this, one of the most important ways to get revelation knowledge is to pray in tongues and believe God for an interpretation of what you're saying. Let me turn over and show you that Paul, the Apostle Paul, used this gift of speaking in tongues to receive revelation knowledge from God. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul wrote this in verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, Declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your face should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. So in these first five verses, basically what the Apostle Paul is saying is that the way he communicated the gospel to these Corinthians wasn't in fancy words. He wasn't an eloquent speaker. As a matter of fact, in another place, he said that his words were contemptible. Apparently, he didn't speak all of that well, but he demonstrated the power of God. As a matter of fact, a little bit of background here in 1 Corinthians Uh, Paul is the one that had introduced the Corinthians to Christ. And they had been born again through his ministry. But now Cephas had come along and Apollos and had begun to teach in that area. And the people were being divided up into different groups. Some were saying, I'm of Paul and others, I'm of Apollos and I'm of Cephas, etc. And so Paul is writing this letter to end these divisions and saying that you shouldn't be separated into these groups. We ought to all be following Christ. So this is what he's talking about, and he reasons with them in the first four chapters. And finally, in chapter 4, he kind of summarizes it this way. In verse 19, 1 Corinthians 4:19, he says, But I will come unto you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them that are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power." And so here he is trying to settle these disputes. He's argued with them logically, but he ends it by saying, all right, when I come, it's not going to be who has the best argument, who can talk the loudest, or who's the best oratory, but he says we're going to settle this dispute by the person that has the power in their life. And basically, he just was saying, you either put up or shut up. You've got an argument. You disagree with what I'm saying. There's all of these words floating around, but when I come, we're going to settle it by the person that has power operating in their life. So that's what he's referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. He specifically did not use fancy words, eloquent speech, because he didn't want the people's faith to be in words only, but in power and demonstration of the Spirit. And then in verse 6, he begins to start describing that he does use wisdom, but it's not a carnal wisdom, an earthly wisdom. It's a supernatural wisdom. This is what I've been calling revelation knowledge. It's knowledge that was imparted by God. It didn't come through a book, but it came directly from God. And here's what Paul had to say about this in verse 6, 1 Corinthians 2, 6. He says, "...howbeit we speak wisdom..." among them that are perfect and yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew for had they known it they would not have crucified the lord of glory and so he says we are using wisdom it's not considered wisdom by the world but it is wisdom it's wisdom that comes from god And he says it was supernaturally imparted. It came in a mystery. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, he says, "...as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God." Now in verse 9, some people have taken this verse out of context And they've used this as a proof text to say that, well, we just can't know the things of God. But the very next verse says, but God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. This isn't saying that you can't know the things of God. It's just saying you can't know the things of God with your little peanut brain. You cannot understand God intellectually only. Now, I'm not saying you don't use your mind, but I'm saying you have to go deeper than that. You have to have a revelation knowledge that comes out of your inner man. Your spiritual man is capable of understanding much, much more than what you are in your physical mind. I don't know if I can get that across to you or not. But, you know, the Lord showed me things 30 years ago that I'm just now beginning to express. And I've had the concepts... For thirty years, but I was totally unable to explain them to other people. I know by firsthand example that you can understand something on the inside, but not understand it with your mind to a degree that you can express it. There is a capability in your heart to understand and perceive things that you cannot verbalize or even wrap your mind around. You just know things in your heart. And this is what the apostle Paul is talking about right here. If you back up into verse 7, this is 1 Corinthians 2, 7. It says, "...but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory." Now this is the Apostle Paul telling where he got this wisdom from, this supernatural wisdom from God, what I'm calling revelation knowledge. Where did it come from? He said that it came from God and it was given in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, put that together with 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Remember that this is the same letter. It wasn't written originally in chapters and verses. This is the same letter to the same group of people. I'm sure Paul intended for them to put all of this together. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14... In verse 2, it says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Put that together with 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. And then he talks about how the, the Spirit interprets this. So here's what I believe really happened. The apostle Paul had been taught under Gamaliel, the great... I think that's the way you pronounce his name. I don't know how you pronounce it, but something close to that. And he was the greatest rabbi of the day, but he was all taught in the legalistic Jewish observance of the Old Testament law. Paul had that stuff ground into him. And because of that, he had rejected Jesus as the Messiah. But on the road to Damascus, the Lord appeared unto him and presented it in such a way that Paul could not deny it. He yielded to the Lord. He received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's all recorded in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. He received this gift of speaking in tongues. And then according to his own statements in Galatians chapter 1, he immediately went into the deserts of Arabia, and for three and a half years he was in the desert. What do you think he was doing in the desert? He was trying to readjust his life to this radical change he had made. He had taught against Jesus being the Messiah. He had taught all of this legalism and now here's Jesus fellowshipping with publicans and sinners and harlots and the grace of God was manifest. He saw the grace of God in his own life because he had been killing Christians and instead of the judgment of God coming upon him, he was shown mercy It just totally, it totally went against all of his theology. And I personally believe that for three and a half years in the deserts of Arabia, Paul was out there seeking God, trying to say, God, I know it's real. I know Jesus is the Messiah. I know you love me, and it's not all by performance. But what about this verse? What about this scripture? He was going back through all of the teaching that he had received, and he was renewing his mind. And based on these scriptures that I use from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I believe he spent a lot of time praying in tongues and asking God to give him revelation. And that's how this revelation came. My own personal testimony about this is that I was raised in a denomination that emphasized salvation real strong, and they got a lot of people born again, but then after you were born again they basically didn't have much for you except to tell you that now you need to get somebody else born again. And they preached a lot of rules, a lot of laws. Because of this, you know, I lived a super holy life. Many of you have heard me say I've never taken a drink of liquor. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never used a word of profanity. I've never even tasted coffee. Man, I lived a super holy life. I've never danced. I've never done any of these things. Man, all of that stuff... Basically, if there was any fun in it, it was of the devil, is what our denomination taught. And when I got turned on to the Lord, I mean, my whole theology that I was programmed with when I was a kid came into radical conflict with what the Spirit of God was telling me when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was tough. It was tough. And because of the way that God touched my life on March the 23rd, 1968, I had a love and a passion for God that it was just profound. And the main thing was I knew God loved me. And prior to that, see, I'd been taught that I was a worm, that I was ungodly, that God tolerated me. He might move in my life out of pity, but he certainly didn't love me. He couldn't love somebody like me. And yet my experience taught me something different. And so here was my heart and my head colliding, and I did something very similar to what I was just describing about the Apostle Paul. I had to get these things out of conflict with each other, and I had to harmonize what I was understanding with my mind with what I'd already experienced in my heart. And the way I did it, uh, my wife and I had just gotten married, We were newlyweds. I moved into an apartment in Dallas. It was a one bedroom apartment. And what I used to do, I would take a yellow pad of paper and every day, I mean 10, 12 hours a day, I would sit down and write out certain scriptures that were just radically opposed to the whole theology I'd been taught, but it felt good in my heart. And I would just write those things out longhand and as I did, I'd emphasize and focus on every single word and day after day i'd write the same scriptures out i'd just write them out over and over spend 12 hours a day writing out scriptures meditating and asking god to give me wisdom and revelation about what these scriptures meant and then after i'd done that uh we had this little tiny apartment it was just a one bedroom apartment we had a bedroom bathroom kitchen and a and a living room and, uh, you know, we didn't have much money. We couldn't go anywhere. And so rather than, you know, make Jamie leave the house or something, after I'd written out all of these scriptures, I would literally go into our closet. It was a little tiny, probably three-foot by four-foot closet, and I would sit in the closet underneath the clothes and spend an hour or two praying in tongues and just asking God for revelation. And the reason I did that was because I had a little bit of understanding about that when I was praying in tongues, I was praying the hidden wisdom of God. I knew that my spirit knew all things, and I needed help from the born-again spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit quickening my spirit to understand things. I just couldn't seem to understand these scriptures. That I saw what they were saying, but it was just so radically different than what I'd been taught. I couldn't embrace it. And so I would spend an hour or two a day, after I'd written out and meditated on these scriptures, I'd spend an hour or two just praying over them in tongues. And I did that for at least six months. It could have been longer than that. And you know what? When I would pray, in my heart, I just would get so built up, so excited, so turned on to the Lord. But if you would have asked me right after I came out of that closet, well, what did God show you? I couldn't have told you a thing. I didn't have understanding of it with my mind, but I was doing something. I just knew that praying like that was affecting me in a dramatic way. And so I continued to do that for six months. I might have got a little bit of revelation that I could share with someone else, but as a whole, it was just stirring something up, but I couldn't really understand it. And it's a very long story, but anyway, my church was getting meaner and meaner, in their criticism of me and telling me that everything I was doing was of the devil the conflict was getting worse and worse. And finally, one day at church, the Lord just spoke to me and told me to get out of that place. And man, I left. And I moved from Dallas. I moved back to Arlington, Texas. And in one week, after I'd made that decision, in one week's time, my understanding of the Word of God just exploded. I mean, it was, it was like an atomic bomb. All of a sudden, I began to see and understand things that I had not been able to grab hold of and that I had never heard another living human being say. In one week's time, God began to reveal truths to me, and it came so fast and so furious that I literally, towards the end of that week, I had to ask God. I said, God, I just can't take any more. I'm not even getting all of the stuff you're saying to me now. And I had to ask the Lord to stop because I knew I was missing it. And you know, the things that God spoke to me in that week, it's now, 34 years later, and I'm just now getting to a place that I can begin to start verbalizing and saying some of these things to other people. But I tell you, that revelation came, I mean, just boom like that. And some people think, well, God just gave it to you instantly. Well, it had been coming for six months or a year of me meditating on the Word up to 10 to 12 hours a day, praying in tongues one to two, three hours a day. And I believe that that speaking in tongues for six months or whatever period of time it was, was a vital part of that revelation. That's exactly what was happening. Let me go just a step further with this and share some things with you that hopefully will help you to understand this. Um, I have a tape set entitled Spirit, Soul, and Body. I'm not offering that today, but of course it's on our website. You can access it that way and do other things. But in there, one of the things that I teach is that you have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Matter of fact, this is uh, still in the context of the scriptures that we've been dealing with. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And verse 16 says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now what does that mean? What does it mean when the Scripture says that we have the mind of Christ? You know, some of you would immediately go to your last test score or the last time you tried to find your keys and couldn't remember (laughs) where they were. You know, just this morning... Uh, I couldn't find these sunglasses that I use. And when we drive into town, it is right in the face of the sun. And I mean, my wife and I turned our house upside down. I had those things last night, but I couldn't find them this morning. And you know, all of us, or not all of us maybe, but many of us can relate to these kind of things. But it's not talking about this brain up here. This mind is limited, and it, it forgets things. But you know what? In your spirit... You have the mind of Christ. That's what this is talking about. That's exactly what it's talking about. It also says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 to put on the uh, new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that has created him. You have been renewed in knowledge in the same way that Christ knows things. You're in his class of understanding. And many of you, again, are just you know, tilt, overload on that and say, no way, this can't be. There is no way. Man, I have so many things I don't understand. It's not talking about your physical brain, but rather it's talking about your spirit. In your spirit, you have the mind of Christ. It has been renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created it. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, that you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. That word unction means an anointing a special endowment of ability from God to know all things. Many people, again, go look at their last test score and say, No, I don't know all things. Well, that was only testing your brain, not your heart. It goes on to say in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, that you have an anointing from him, and it abides within you. And you don't need any man to teach you, but as that same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as he hath taught you, you shall abide in him. That says that you have a special anointing from God to instruct you. All of these things are true in your spirit. It's your spirit that has this supernatural knowledge of God, not your physical mind. You have a mind in your spirit as well as up here in your your physical brain. And somebody might say, well, that's all well and good, but what good does it do me if this knowledge is in my spirit? Well, it does you good if you know how to draw it out. Look at this verse of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Again, it's talking about speaking in tongues. And it says in verse 14, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. This says that when you are speaking in an unknown tongue, your spirit is the part that is praying. When you pray in tongues, it's not your brain praying, it's your spirit praying. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Spirit is a part of you that has the mind of Christ, that's been renewed in knowledge, that has this unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. So when you are praying in tongues, you're praying in your spirit. You are praying in the part of you that has perfect knowledge, perfect wisdom. It knows exactly what the problem is. It knows exactly how to deal with that problem, what the answer is. Everything is there in the Spirit. Now, that's really important because if you can understand that when you get into a bind and you don't know how to pray with your physical mind, all you got to do is pray in tongues and you instantly start drawing on this wisdom and this knowledge that was located in your spirit. Man, that's wonderful truth. You know, I just want to stop here for a moment and camp on this because that is such a powerful truth that if you really understood that and embraced it, it would change your life how many times do you have situations where you don't know what to do and then we just start singing these old songs about well further along we'll understand why further along we'll know all about it we just have accepted that we can't know and so we kind of stumble through our life blindly thinking well this is the lot of us poor human beings we just don't know things the scripture says that God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Not only things right now that we need to know today, but you know, God will show you things in the future. Let me give you a scripture on that out of John chapter 16. And it says in verse 13 Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit not only will instruct you about what you're in at this exact moment, but He will show you what's coming up and show you things to come. You know, a person who isn't drawing on the born-again spirit on the inside of them and they aren't letting the Holy Spirit give them revelation knowledge and show them how to handle problems and problems that are coming up so that they can take evasive action or deal with it and do whatever's necessary. A person who isn't drawing on that to me, is like a blind man that's just walking. He doesn't have a dog to guide him. He doesn't have a guide dog. He doesn't have a cane. He's just walking along. It's just a matter of time until he's going to walk off of a curb, step in front of a car, fall off of a cliff, run into a tree, or do something. It's just stupid. You know, if you had eyes, why would you tape your eyes shut or keep your eyes closed and run into things? Man, open up your eyes. Draw on this sense knowledge that God has given us. Well, in the spirit realm, God has given us the ability to be able to see things to come, to have wisdom to deal with situations, and yet most people don't draw on this. It's been taught us, even through the church, that you just can't know the things of God. You can't have revelation You just don't know things. You you are no different than your unsaved neighbor over here. The only difference is that you have an assurance that someday after you make a total mess of your life, you are going to get to go to heaven and God will work it all out and it'll be wonderful in heaven. But in this rough now and now, you're just stumbling around about the same way that the lost neighbor is. I'm wanting you to know that that is not the way that God intended it to be. You have an ability to know all things. To pray in the Spirit, and when you do, the mind of Christ, the part of you that knows all things, begins to start functioning and bringing revelation to you, and He will even show you things to come. Boy, that is tremendous revelation. You know, this reminds me of like having a well right here. You could have life-giving water just 10 feet below you in that well But if you didn't have some way to put a bucket down in there and dip that water out and draw it out, you could die of thirst and be just literally feet from life-giving water. And it's the same thing. On the inside of us, we have the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ, but most people don't know how to draw it out. Well, this is a very simple point that I'm making right here. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14:14 14, 14, that if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. The spirit is the part of you that has this life-giving knowledge, the supernatural mind of Christ in it. You know, you'll hear people often say that I'm trying to get the word of God out of my mind and into my spirit. Actually, it's not that way. Your spirit already has the perfect revelation of God. And what you're trying to do is to get this understanding and revelation knowledge that is in your spirit, out of your spirit and up into your brain. You're trying to renew your mind with it. How do you do it? Well, if you had a well here, you have to stick a bucket or something down in there and draw it out. How do you get it out of your spirit? You, you take the praying in tongues, this gift of praying in tongues and you begin to pray and then ask God to interpret it, and boom, you start receiving supernatural revelation knowledge of the Word of God. I would not do without speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues a lot. I spend a lot of time just walking and praying in tongues. You know why? Because that's where the life in me is, is in the Spirit. And when I'm praying in tongues, my spirit is praying. Do you know you can pray in a carnal way. Just because you pray, it doesn't make you spiritual. You can be an absolute hypocrite and pray. You can pray wrong. When you're praying with your understanding, you can pray so that you can be trying to impress all the people listening. I'm sure that you've heard people before who when they prayed, they weren't talking to God. They were talking to the people that were listening and they were trying to get a point across and they were using the name of the Lord and the fact that people wouldn't interrupt you in the middle of your prayer to say, that's a lie. They wouldn't do that. And so they're just praying their point across. Man, all of us have seen stuff like that. Well, see, that's wrong praying. You can pray wrong with your mind. But when you pray from your spirit, and that's what the Scripture says you're doing when you pray in tongues. When you pray in an unknown tongue, your spirit is praying. You can't pray wrong. You're praying that perfect hidden wisdom of God out of your spirit, the part of you that has the mind of Christ. And I tell you, the potential here is just awesome. If you could really understand this, I don't know why anybody would fight against the gift of speaking in tongues. I really don't. The only understanding that I have why people fight against the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and this, you know, I may not be accurate on this, but this is based on dealing with thousands of people, and um, I really believe that if it's not right on, it's close. I'm getting close to the point here. But I believe that the reason people fight against the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues is because associated with those things are victory, and I mean power, an ability to control your circumstances instead of being controlled. And the people who are living below what God wants them to be and consoling themselves by saying, well... Miracles have passed away. We can't have the results that people in the Bible had. And they're trying to use Scripture, to twist Scripture, to justify a powerless, defeated life. They will fight against this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues because it's taking away their excuses. If this be true, and if you have the mind of Christ and by speaking in tongues you can draw it out, well, then you can't claim ignorance. You can't just say, well, we just can't know the things of God. They're higher than us. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. They're going to skip the next verse that says, But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. And so people like that, they fight against the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues because it's taken away their disguise, their hiding behind all of these limitations of the flesh. And when you start flowing in the Holy Spirit, it starts giving you the abilities that God supernaturally imparts through the Holy Spirit. And so people fight against it. But I tell you, this is powerful. And this is how I receive revelation knowledge. So 1 Corinthians 14 14 says, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays the part of me that has this wisdom. And then just go up one verse in verse 13. It says, Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Now, this is very important. I've been establishing that it's your spirit that has the mind of Christ and all this wisdom. When you pray in tongues, you draw it out, but it makes a specific mention in verse 14 that you're praying in the spirit, but your understanding is unfruitful. It doesn't do you any good to pray in tongues unless your understanding can benefit of it. Now, I do believe it has some benefit. It does give you a peace and a rest. I've already dealt with that out of Isaiah chapter 28. It will do some things for you, but you don't get the full benefit of speaking in tongues unless you can begin to interpret what you're saying. And it says in this exact passage right up one verse in front of it, verse 13, that when you pray in an unknown tongue, pray that you may interpret. We not only can interpret our speaking in tongues, but the scripture says we should interpret our speaking in tongues. Now I know that somebody is saying, but now wait a minute, this is talking about in a church group that you are limited to only three people delivering a message in tongues and it all has to be interpreted by someone. I will admit that that is the specific context of this passage of scripture it's talking about how speaking in tongues operates in the church and it's saying that if you pray in an unknown tongue in the church pray also that you can get an interpretation so that other people can be benefited and i agree that that is the number one point that this is making but in this same passage of scripture the apostle paul said i speak with tongues more than you all And yet he said, in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So Paul said he spoke with tongues more than all of these church people all put together, but it wasn't in the church service. If it wasn't in the church service, where was it? It was in his personal life. And so what I'm saying through this is that yes, he's talking about how tongues operates in a church, but also the same thing can operate at home. Paul spoke at tongue, in tongues at home, and I just personally choose to believe I could spend more time trying to explain this, but I'll just let it go. The Holy Ghost, I have to bear witness or not. I believe that you can pray that your understanding becomes fruitful. You can pray to interpret your tongue, even if you aren't in a church service, but if you're just by yourself. And once you do that, remember that you're praying in the Spirit, the part of you that has the mind of Christ, and all you have to do is just start interpreting these hidden wisdom that you're speaking out of your mouth. I believe that that's what the Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul had had an experience with God that God is attention, but his mind was way over here, indoctrinated in a certain way of thinking, and they were opposed to each other. And how did he harmonize it? Did you know you can't just have the life of God in your spirit? The Bible says, "...as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he." That's out of uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. And if you're thinking wrong in your mind, even if you've got a wonderful experience with God and power of God in your spirit, ultimately you will be the way you think with your brain. You have to believe with all of your heart, not only your spirit, but the soulish part. They need to come into agreement. And that's when you begin to have power in your life. How did Paul bring his mind into agreement? It was through praying in tongues and believing for an interpretation. And this interpretation began to change his thinking so that it lined up with the truths that were in his spirit. Let me just give you a little bit of testimony about how this works in my life. But I operate in the gifts of the Spirit I call things out that it's humanly impossible for me to know. It's just God speaking to me, and then I uh, relay those things. And I've had it confirmed thousands of times that things that I've said have been exactly right on. Matter of fact, I can remember services where I literally, I called this one woman out and told her her name and told her all kinds of things about her. I'd never seen this woman before in my life, and yet I told her her name, told her what was wrong with her, told her sicknesses that were there, Told her things that she could not, that I could not have known. I'd never seen this lady before. How do you get the ability to do that? Well, it's God communicating to you, but more specifically, I'm telling you that these gifts of the Spirit will function more frequently and more uh, in depth after I've been praying in tongues and believing for an interpretation. You know, I know that to some people, that just live in the natural world and that's where you're comfortable and you don't ever get into the things of God. I know some of the things I'm saying right here are stretching you and it's just off of the charts as far as what's normal in your life. But this really is normal Christianity. If we're born again and if we had God himself living on the inside of us and if he knows all things and he's wanting to flow through us and minister to people, why should it be thought strange that God would impart some of his knowledge to you so that you could speak it and touch a person and open them up to the things of God. And I don't mean this to condemn anybody, but you know what? To me, it is normal to go through it and have God show me things and speak things to me and, and give me words of knowledge about people. I don't always minister them. There's sometimes that the Lord shows me things about people and I'm not sure that it always is so that I can say it. Sometimes it's for my own benefit. You know, the Lord, I've met people out in the secular world before. This doesn't only operate in church. This will work when you're in a department store, grocery store, whatever you're doing. But I've actually been in stores or something before where somebody comes up and starts offering to do something. And I mean the Holy Spirit just speaks to me and said, this guy's a crook. Don't trust him any further than you can throw him. That's not meant as a criticism of that person. It's not necessarily something I'm supposed to minister to them. It's just God showing me things, discerning things so that I can uh, take the right, appropriate action. God speaks things like this to me constantly. And you know what? I believe that this is normal Christianity. And one of the ways that it functions is because I spend a lot of time praying in tongues and I ask God to interpret to me what I'm praying. Now I've got to say something right here to help you be able to make an application of this to your life. When I'm talking about speaking in tongues and then asking God to give me an interpretation, this doesn't mean that I just pray in tongues and then stop and then pray in English and that there's a word-for-word translation of what I've just spoken in tongues. That's not what I'm talking about. Notice that the scripture says that you should pray for an interpretation, not a translation. Now there's a difference. A translation is word for word. But you know, you could... I've ministered in other countries and I've had interpreters translate what I'm saying word for word and it just doesn't come across in the same way in another language. There's different idioms, things that I say. Texas slang doesn't mean anything in Germany to most people. And I've literally spoken through interpreters before that I would say something that's only one phrase long, it's relatively short, and they'd go on for two or three sentences, maybe an entire paragraph. And it was because they were trying to interpret, to explain, give meaning to what I was saying rather than just a word-for-word translation. So here's some points that I'm making. When you are praying in tongues, you are praying the hidden wisdom of God. You're praying forth supernatural revelation. And what you want to do is interpret it, not necessarily get a word-for-word translation, but the gist of what you've been saying, a revelation of the truths, the spiritual truths that you've been speaking forth. And that's what you're after. So it doesn't have to necessarily be that if you speak in tongues for one minute, then you stop and interpret for one minute. You might speak in tongues for one minute and get something that it'll take you a long time to interpret and think through. Now that's important. If you don't understand this, some of you are going to think, well, boy, that must not have been God that was giving me that interpretation because the interpretation was five times as long as what I said in tongues. It doesn't work that way. It's an interpretation and not a translation. You know one of the very first times that I ever spoke in tongues publicly I came from a background where it was taught against and it was spoken that it was of the devil and because of it there was a lot of resistance to speaking in tongues. I was conducting a Bible study and everybody that was at this Bible study believed that it was a valid gift from God but none of us had ever done it publicly. We had never spoken in front of another person. And we were having a praise and worship service, and God laid on my heart to deliver a message in tongues. I did, and it just scared everybody. The musician stopped instantly because, man, this was radical for somebody to speak in tongues. And then there was just dead silence. And we knew that it had to be interpreted, and no interpretation came forth. And I actually felt like somebody else had the interpretation, but nobody was giving it. So I did what the Scripture said here, and I said, God, I believe that that was... From you, I asked the Lord to give me the interpretation, and the Lord gave me an interpretation of what I was saying. And it wasn't an exact word-for-word translation. It was just a gist of what was being said. And actually, to express it, I turned over to Joshua chapter 1, and I read some scriptures, and I said, Here is exactly what the Lord is trying to get across. When I used those scriptures, it turned out that another person, Marshall Townsley there, he had never heard a tongue. He had never interpreted a tongue. But he had those exact words that I was reading from Joshua chapter 1. He was a new believer. He had never read that in the Bible. And when I spoke these things, man, he says, that's it. I had it. And it was a confirmation to him. And he's gone on. And, of course, he's spoken in tongues and interpreted many times now. But see what I'm saying? This, this is how it worked. I didn't have the exact thing that was being said but I knew what the gist of it was and I gave that message and expressed it and it came out in my Texas twang. That's the way that this will happen. When you're praying in tongues, your spirit is being built up and encouraged and edified but your understanding is unfruitful. It means it isn't benefiting. All you have to do is just get to a place to where you start benefiting in your understanding and I believe that that's an interpretation. The point that I'm trying to make here is that if you're in a church service and you pray in tongues, you have to stop praying in English or whatever your native language is, and then you have to give an interpretation in that known language so that other people can benefit. But if you are praying by yourself at home just for the personal edification, you don't have to stop praying in tongues and then give an interpretation in your native language. You don't have to do that because there's nobody else around you can just all of a sudden begin to start understanding what you're praying about. And I actually kind of happened on this. Uh, I was taught against speaking in tongues so much that there was a major resistance on my part. And I struggled with a lot of unbelief. And the way I overcame it was to take what I knew the Word says and I would keep my finger on the Scripture and I would force myself to pray in tongues just as a step of faith. And By doing that, it pushed me into a new realm of faith. And as I was praying in tongues, my mind wasn't praying. The Bible says here in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it was my spirit praying. So my mind had to do something. You can't just not think. And so I had to do something with my mind. What I began to do was start praying with my mind. Now, this is a little bit of an aside, but if you'll listen here, this will help you. When you're praying in tongues, it's your spirit that prays and not your mind. That's the reason that I can pray in tongues and read scripture or read a book and I could come back and give you a book report on it. I could tell you what scriptures I've read. I've done all that, and yet at the same time I'm speaking in tongues. Now you can't do that by quoting a point where you had to use your brain. See, if you if you speak from your mind... That speaking is occupying your mental thought and you cannot read with your mind and comprehend well at the same time. But because speaking in tongues is coming from your spirit and not your mind, you can read or do something like that and have perfect comprehension. That's just another verification, a proof that this is a supernatural gift. It's not just coming from your brain, but it's coming directly from your heart. It's God speaking through you. And so as I pray in tongues, I also pray with my understanding. And I just happened upon this. But what what happened to me was during this period of time that I would just be praying in tongues an hour or two hours a day and I'd be praying with my mind. all of a sudden I'd start thinking about people that I hadn't thought of in weeks or months or years. And then I'd start thinking things about them that there was no way for me to know these things. Somebody had just come to mind that I hadn't even thought of in years. And all of a sudden, I'd start feeling a concern like, man, this person, I feel like they're sick. I'd start praying for their wellness. There was no reason for me to know that. I hadn't even talked to them. And time after time after time of praying like this, I would have somebody come up with within two weeks. It seems like that always within two weeks of me praying in tongues and then in my mind just praying for somebody for some specific need, within two weeks that person would always show up we would reconnect and they would confirm to me that, you know, they had something wrong with them physically or they had a financial need or something. And my lightning fast mind after this happened over and over and over and over again, I finally began to make a connection. And I began to start seeing that when I was praying in tongues, and believing God for an interpretation, I didn't stop praying in tongues and then just speak forth a translation in English. But in my mind, I just began to start thinking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I started dealing with things and seeing things happen. And over a period of time, I came to recognize that this was God speaking to me and giving me an interpretation. One of the clearest examples that I had was one morning I had been praying, I think it was at least an hour, maybe two hours, I'd just been walking in my house and praying. And this man came to my mind, who we were friends in high school, and I hadn't seen him in four years. I hadn't even thought of him in four years. I mean, it was just like he was just removed from my life. We had gone different directions, and I hadn't even thought of this guy. But as I was praying in tongues this day, this guy just kept coming back to my mind over and over And so I started praying for him. And the Lord showed me that he was having problems and that he just needed me to pray for him. So I spent hours praying in tongues and just praying over this guy. I didn't get anything specific for him at all. And right in the midst of me walking and praying like this, the doorbell rang. I went to the doorbell and guess who was there? This exact guy that I'd been thinking of all morning. And when this happened, I mean, it kind of startled me. And I hadn't seen this guy in four years. He didn't say hi. He didn't say, you know, why he was there. He didn't say, man, we hadn't seen each other in a long time. There was no introduction. There was no pleasantries exchanged. He just says, can I come in? And I turned aside let him come in. He walked in, sat down, started crying and just pouring out his heart to me all of these things that were happening. And as he did that, I was sitting there. And first of all, this is when I was real young in the Lord. My first thought was... I started condemning myself and thinking, man, you've been praying in this gibberish. This is when I was still struggling to really believe that speaking in tongues was of God. And I, first of all, started condemning myself, saying, you've been praying in this gibberish for two hours when you could have been praying and doing something that was beneficial. And then my next thought was, how would I have known to pray for this guy? And then I remembered that he's the one I've been thinking of all morning long. This isn't a coincidence. This is God. This was an interpretation of my tongue. And then, I mean, this guy was just crying and telling me all of these problems. And when he had known me before, I was still in this denominational church. He didn't have a clue that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoken tongues, operated in miracles. And so he was just, I, I believe, probably looking for some shoulder to cry on some friend And I stopped him right in the middle and I said, here's what God tells me. And I told him what his problems were. I told him what had been going on. I operated in words of wisdom and knowledge. And it scared this guy. And yet he had to admit it was God. And I ministered to him. And you know, after that was over, I thought, man, I now know that when I was praying in tongues and then praying with my understanding at the same time, God was supernaturally inspiring and controlling those thoughts. And he's the one that led me to pray for this guy. And after that time, you know what? I haven't doubted it, and I've operated in this, and this is the way I do a lot of things. Now, personally, I don't like to uh, just pray in tongues and then receive an interpretation right then. Sometimes I do. But generally, what I do is I'll go walking or something, and I'll just pray in tongues. I may pray in tongues for an hour or more. And I'm not necessarily looking for anything earth-shaking or a word of knowledge or a revelation at that moment. What I'm doing is just praying in tongues. And then I believe that when I need it, God will show me what I need to do. And that's my own personal preference. Because if God... Say, for instance, I hold these meetings. And if I was praying for the meeting that, you know, the gifts of the Spirit would operate and that God would flow through me, and if God was to start showing me things that were going to happen, this person's going to come out of a wheelchair and they're going to be wearing a red blouse and you'll know that this is the one. If he was to tell me that a week in advance, that's just too long for my mind to think about it. I guarantee you I'd get into some unbelief. I'd have some questions come, man, are you sure? And so I don't like it that way. This friend of mine, Marshall Townsley, that I talked about, you know, he's the one that had this interpretation but didn't realize it at first and, and stuff. Anyway, Marshall Townsley is just the opposite. He likes the Lord to tell him exactly what kind of, you know, what color suit this man's going to be wearing, where he's sitting, third row, second seat in, and give him words of knowledge like that. And then he prays about it for a week in advance. That's okay. I mean, God can do things according to the way you desire it. But personally, the way it works with me is I'll just pray in tongues. I'll believe God for an interpretation, but I may not get anything spectacular at that moment. That doesn't bother me at all. I feel like it's all stored up, and when I need it, it'll come. And then when I'm in a service or when I'm in a pinch and when people go to, you know, criticizing me or I need a word from God, I've already deposited it. I've already been speaking in tongues, drawing out this wisdom. I believe that it's like it's already there. I've already drawn this out. And then I just say, Father, I need a word from you. And God supernaturally shows me things and he has saved my bacon many a time by doing that. I tell you, this is a great truth. Because if you've understood what I'm talking about, the benefit, I could say it this way, the privilege of having God put His mind on the inside of you and then give you the privilege of drawing it out and telling you to interpret, draw on this. Not only giving you the opportunity but telling you that this is what He wants you to do. What a great privilege that is. And I tell you, we need to take advantage of it. There is no reason that we have to stumble through life just wishing and a hoping and a praying that we're going to somehow or another make it. You can know You can have revelation from God. You can have a word from God that will set you apart from everybody else that you know. You can be confident. And you know, I really believe that. Man, there is a security in my life because I really believe that God has instructed and led me in the things I'm doing. I want you to have that same security, to have that same faith and the same peace that it produces.